0: Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To
1: learn more about the show, please visit CIOtalknetwork.com. And the topic for today is Leading in the Next Normal. So we all know and are living the pandemic. And we have had a lot of disruption and a lot of uncertainty. So we don't know what's ahead of us and not sure if we can ever go back to where we were. So what is going to be our life and the way we do business? What is going to be ahead of us? What will be the next normal and how will the leaders be required to lead in 2021 and beyond? That's what we want to discuss and for that, we have Tracy Kearns, Chief Information Officer with Wells Fargo. Hey Tracy, how are you? I'm good, thanks for having me. Great to have you and we have John Kochewar who's the Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Portland General Electric. Hey John, how are you doing? Hi Sanjay. I'm good,
2: good to, good to be with you.
1: Great to have you as well. So folks, let's start with you Tracy. So the the topic itself, is telling us that we are going to not have a crystal ball, and we will be tested as leaders. So, when we start, right in all our respective, each one has a different track. Some people come from technical background, others come from business and join the CIO's uh, track. But here we're talking leadership overall. The way we get our leadership jobs is through experiences and some grooming, and we are told. That whatever is happening, you got to control it, bring it back to normal, and then look how you can incrementally or disruptively improve things. All that was good, but we are in times which we never, and the people who we got trained by, they even did not anticipate. So how much of that grooming do you think you are able to, or you think you can leverage as you go about leading in the times ahead?
3: Well, I think um, first I'd, I'd say none of us could be prepared for what we've all experienced, or at least I don't believe um, none of us were prepared or none of our experiences have prepared us for what we all have been going through over the last nine months. So um, I think just acknowledgement of that out of the gate is very important. Um, second to that, the leadership traits that we've all needed throughout you know, the pandemic, I think are pretty core leadership traits. They're we need them, kind of, regardless of what we're going through. Things like being flexible, candid, transparent—those um, are always needed, necessary leadership traits. Uh, what I've found, though, is that you really had—it's—it's it's taken a more important role. Is the—is the concept of empathy and listening and communicating that's become even more important during this time? Um, to really hear what your teams are saying, um, what your employees are saying, listen to them. How can you help? Um, be empathetic. Uh, we're all going through this differently. Every situation is different. So never assuming that what I'm experiencing or seeing during this with my family, work, life, et cetera, is the same as anyone else's. Um, and so I, I know personally, I really try and sit back and, and remind myself just to have that really inclusive thinking and that not everyone is thinking, feeling, saying, or doing the same things that I am. These things are not impacting them in the same way. Um, And then just communicating. Uh, It's important that they, you know, our teams hear from us, um, that they're looking for us for stability um, and guidance and that we are there for them and that we provide those things. But again, those are all traits I think we need regardless. Just some of them we've had to have become a little bit more important during this time period
2: yeah, Tracy, I would piggyback on on your comments. i think I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, these are leadership traits that that carry over pandemic or no pandemic. Uh, but one point that i I really appreciated that you made was around how different you know different team members are experiencing this very differently, right? So we're in the i t space and so many of us are very, very lucky to be able to work from home. but uh, in our business at least at Portland General Electric, we have you know line men and women that are in the field that Don't get to work from home. And so they experience it very differently than uh, office workers. And I think that empathy is so important because it really informs us on how we can help our employees in different kinds of ways.
1: So let's talk about the not so obvious traits which we may not have developed or we developed but hardly used, which we would have to use going forward or have to develop going forward. Tracy.
3: Well, I think, um, I mean, from a leadership trait perspective, I think we, you know, we kind of covered that, but I think there are things that we're having to look at from a team perspective, cultural perspective that, you know, are different. I I think the good thing is, is we've been part of uh, one of the biggest global experiments in remote work. Um, You know, as John said, not everyone's working remote, but we sure as heck have a lot of people who are. Um, So we are participating in right now in one of the largest remote work experiments. And I know from my perspective, it's worked very well, right? So we've seen how the benefit of collaboration tools, collaborating through tools like this, Zoom or Webcaster, how we can still stay connected, um, be very productive, not miss a beat. Um, So those, uh, to me, those things are really gonna change the way we work going forward. When we look at, you know, do we really have to be in person for that? Do we really, you know, conferences, how we get information, how we interact with each other, you know, while that was always something we were looking at, um, I, I think we've proven out that we can do pretty well, uh, you know, collaborating online, connecting via video, communicating during vid- via video. And that's going to be a really valuable tool for us. It's going to, I think it'll change the way we work, the way we look at work.
1: So, John, based on what Tracy mentioned, let's look at the scenario on the ground today. We spoke about remote work, but that also has, a challenge connected to it because people sitting at home while they're working but they feel there is an un- employment uncertainty there are some health issues and concerns for the management there is a business uncertainty and suddenly going from almost negligible yeah some companies were more into remote work than others but suddenly you are into total remote work dynamic and there is a very high workers well-being related transparency. In fact, it's well-being is opaque. So what people are talking about is there is a lower employee morale. There is unpredictable service delivery. There is potential workforce mental health risk. With that as a scenario, what do you think you would do new more or different as a leader because you were not trained for this?
2: Yeah, so Sanjay, maybe, maybe the approach that I would take is, uh, you know, how does a leader lead? Uh, and so for, for us, at least at Portland General Electric, we think about outcomes. So it's less about activities and more about outcomes. And I think even during a pandemic, right, even in the environment that we're in right now, I think it's more important than ever to focus on and be clear about what those outcomes are. And I think when we can lead on outcomes and, and less on activities, I think it helps our employees understand what the expectations are for them. That being said, we talked about earlier, everybody's experiencing this differently. You know, I think about myself, I've got I've got three little kids that are doing remote school <laughs> right now and, you know, in a household where you got three kids, you got to find, you know, three laptops that and they're in three different rooms because they're having different experiences. And I think about, you know, some of our employees that they might be in a one bedroom apartment with three kids, right? And so that becomes a different challenge. And as you rightly said, there are legitimate mental health issues that we have to think about because while we say, okay, well, nobody come to the office, some people love that. uh, But some people hate that because some people need to get away because they can't do their jobs in the environment that they're in. And I think this goes back to the empathy uh, piece I think that Tracy brought up earlier. We just have to be sensitive and find ways to help people uh, cope with with some of these dynamics. And whether it's a an employee assistance program, if your company is lucky enough to have one, uh, or subsidizing ergonomics. Uh, so, for example, we offer $300 per employee to get, you know, chairs or stand-up desks or whatever they need to be more comfortable. We offer another $500 in childcare. I think those are relatively small uh, sort of gestures to employees to let them know that we're thinking about their well-being and and, and trying to accommodate them as much as we can.
3: And I think we have to also, like, you know, we mentioned, like, we're not prepared and we weren't for what the magnitude of what we've seen, but we are prepared in a lot of ways. And I think it's important that we we look at our leaders and our teams and we say, everyone take a breath, right? We need to ground ourselves on what we do know, right? The tactics that we've used, even in dealing with smaller issues, larger issues, um, fire drills, things, a lot of those skills are some of the same ones that we need now. It's just, it's longer. It's the marathon, not the sprint. So I worry less about the tactics because I'm seeing all the leaders really step up for that. It's the fatigue that we really have to, you know, watch out for. And that's where the well-being, mental, health, mental um, wellness comes in, checking on our teams, being empathetic and realizing that, you know, John, I love your point around outcomes, that the way you get to your outcome may be different right now because it has to be. Um, but as long as the outcome is there and of the same quality, which we're seeing, right, everyone's being very successful, then that's okay you know, and it should be okay.
2: Yeah. And
1: I love that point. Give
3: ourselves a break, right? Give ourselves a break a little bit.
2: Yeah. And I love that point, Tracy, because, uh, you know, people will get their work done. They will will get those outcomes in different ways. And I think as leaders, we got to be able to flex and say, yeah, that's okay. And as long as we focus on those outcomes and not the how, or that you have to be online, you know, eight or 10 hours a day or whatever it is, I I think that's going to help employees uh, find ways to get things done and, and be successful.
3: And I don't want to keep dwelling on it, but one of the things I've loved culturally through this with everyone working at home, I think there was a stigma before the pandemic. If you were home, if your dog barked or, you know, a a child, you know, came up to you on a zoom call or something that was, you know, maybe not frowned upon, but people noticed and you were embarrassed or felt, you know, uneasy about it. But now because we've all been going through this together you know, I regularly just, you know, in a, my team meeting a little bit ago, there's a gentleman on the team and his dog's walking around in the back, tail wagging, or, you know, a child walks in, does something, and that's just become part of the, the norm, the new norm um, of working remote, um, but it's brought in a new personal side too, and it we're learning more about each other and things we didn't know before, not because we didn't ask or care, it just wasn't something, you know, kind of top of mind or that was really present, and it is now, and in a way, that's nice. Totally,
1: yeah. So Tracy, just because someone has an executive title doesn't make that person a leader. And it doesn't mean that even the leaders would not have the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, doubt, and anxiety. Yeah. And you in your role have to actually work with both sides, right? you got to have people in management who might be having issues with the way things are, the, the way the business is the uncertainty, and they might express it in different ways. And you have to lead them through this. And at the same time, you got people, the direct reports or all the nth reportee at the very, like a field staff who might also be impacted with what's going on and you have to directly or indirectly lead them. How are you calibrating your leadership muscle to be put on one side versus another? And what are the different ways you lead these two constituents?
3: Well, I mean, again, it and not everybody's good at this, to your point. And I'm not saying I am. And, you know, I have struggled myself, you know, at different times going through this pandemic, just, you know, with uh, taking on new responsibilities um, and things that I, you know, and working different. John, to your point, I have three kids at home, too. And, you know, who's using up all the bandwidth on the Wi-Fi? I mean, things I didn't have to deal with. But to the question, um, I, it's still my job. And I take this part of my job very seriously. And I think all leaders need to to mentor, coach, and provide, you know, counsel, support, and even, um, you know, criticism where needed, where I see other leaders kind of, you know, not stepping up where they need to. Now, the empathy comes in with, they may say, look, I know I should be doing that, but I can't. Like, I'm, I'm barely hanging on, or I need help, um, and that is totally okay, uh, but, you know, I have to hold my leaders accountable. I'm being held accountable as I should. Uh, that's I. It's my job. That's my role. And so if I see leaders or teams or people coming to me and saying, I'm not feeling this or this isn't happening, you know, I need to reach out and say, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? The team's feeling like they, they need more. They're not getting enough from you or, you know, they feel, think this way. Um, how can I help you? You know, and then we have to evaluate it as leaders and managers on, you know, does that person need help? Maybe they just needed a little push start. Um, or maybe they need some more direct coaching and say, you're not holding up, you know, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Like you're, you're a leader for all these people and you have to, you have to be a leader.
2: Yeah. And Tracy, I'll, I'll kind of uh, go off of that point as well. I, I think Sanjog, I think about maybe a couple of things. One is uh, I think leaders provide perspective and, and and the reality is this is not our first pandemic and it probably won't be our last Hopefully it'll be the last in our lifetimes, but, but at least my lifetime, but, uh, you know, we're going to get through this. So it's, it's just a, a matter of time. Uh, and so I think sharing that perspective with, with our fellow leaders and, and with employees, I think makes a big difference because then people don't get spun up on things that, that we can often get spun up on uh, because we don't have that perspective. And two, and this is something that Tracy alluded to, is this idea of creating a culture of constructive candor. And being honest with one another about the things that uh, that we can do or that we can't do, given whatever circumstances that each of us has, and I think where we can be honest with one another, it just makes it easier to operate. Uh, and and I, in my opinion, at least, I think it takes a little bit of, uh, of the stress out when you can have a culture where you can be be uh, very candid.
3: And I, I think especially, I run the women in tech um, group at Wells Fargo, and. Um, it's the pandemic has had a big, it's taken a big toll on women in the workforce. And so one of the things, you know, we've been looking at is really, you know, getting a lot of studies, studies, case um, studies, information data on, um, you know, what we're seeing and what to look out for ourselves. And one of the things um, I've been doing in addition to, you know, reaching out to women leaders, but just as myself, I think to your point, John, is like, is being authentic and honest about my own experiences, you know, and telling folks sometimes like, That this is a disaster. Um, I've had to take this on. I, you know, I cried on Sunday because of this. Right. And just like being very real, um, because then it makes it, you know, it allows people to also um, say it's not just me, Um, perhaps make it okay for them to ask for help, because sometimes people are afraid to ask for help, even when you ask them if they need it. Um, So just trying to be very real, very authentic, um, because it's therapeutic to me. Um, And hopefully it's therapeutic to others and it allows others to engage differently, to ask for help or to just say, Hey, I hear (laughs) you. I'm glad I'm not alone.
2: Well, Tracy, I think that helps to really build a degree of trust as well, right? Where you can, you can be vulnerable. People can be vulnerable to you. And I think that it, I think collectively that that just reduces a little of the stress out there because then you're not pretending to be something you're not, especially given the environment that we're in right now, which is stressful enough.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's set the stage, or at least while we don't have a crystal ball, but at least talk about the kind of permanent shifts we will see in our business environment, which we should be ready for, and start preparing. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right
0: back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh,
1: so Tracy. About the shifts in the business environment that you've seen, what are those? Of course, you know the shifts have always happened, but this would perhaps change the way we think about business, the way we think about partnerships, and the way we think about the workings within the business. Which ones look like they are not going to, we will not fall back to the original uh, ways we used to do things.
3: From our, you know, my perspective and the Wells Fargo perspective, I mean, our strategy before the pandemic has not changed much. If anything, it's um, been validated or um, expedited. So we were already under, you know, doing digital transformation like many. Right. And we knew that was a focus. We knew our customers and clients want to bank wherever they are. You know, um, they want mobile, digital you know, access. So we were already well down that path. Um, through the pandemic, we've seen—you know—we've had all of that validated just through customer interactions with our mobile and online um, banking capabilities. Um, so, if anything, the pandemic's given us a reason or momentum to kind of accelerate some of our our strategy and our transformation and our plans. So, none of that um, has really changed, and I think that's—I think that's good, and that's okay.
1: So, John, what have you seen? I know uh, in your industry, a lot of things happen would you see something fundamentally shifting and you say, awesome. I know while pandemic is not awesome, but the change that has happened is really to your benefit.
2: Yeah. You know, I think to Tracy's point too, I mean, there's been acceleration of, of this digital transformation and not just within, you know, certain businesses like ours. And I could talk about the remote work stuff and how that's going to be probably, you know, permanent for some, Uh, but just even our day-to-day lives, I think about, you know, I, I ordered something from Best Buy the other day, and and, it, and they they walked it out to the trunk of my car and they put it in. You know what? It was pretty good. I like that. And so I think those types of models will continue. And you know, the takeout models and you know the the Door Dashes and the Uber Eats of the world. I think that continues. And there are new conveniences I think that we have that many of us have sort of discovered through this process that 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 are going to stick.
1: So John, let's further dig into the internal workings of the organization. So, before pandemic, yes, uh, you had HR, you had some productivity measures, you were having some initiatives on how do you change your organizational design so everyone works at the best possible level. And then you had the enterprise performance management where we looked at all different aspects, financial and non-financial. What do you recommend, given where we are now, to tweak or change or remove or add so that the next normal is not being underutilized because we are in the same old, same old way of doing things?
2: Yeah, Sanjay, I would say that this focus on outcomes, I'm going to come back to outcomes because uh, a lot of leaders, at least in in our organization, uh, used to kind of measure people for showing up, right? So, hey, you show up and you were here for eight hours today, and you were behind your computer doing whatever it is that you were doing, and that may have looked like work. Uh, But I think now that we don't physically see each other uh, and that it's much more virtual, uh, the the focus on outcomes I think has been elevated, and I think that continues. Uh, And I think it's gonna make people become better leaders because now it's not about the activities, right, or the time that you uh, put into the office, but it's gonna be about the outcomes that you deliver. And so that I think is one big takeaway. Uh, and that creates a different kind of environment for people to operate in because now if more people work remotely, it's fine because you're measuring outcomes over activity. And there was this great uh, story that somebody shared with me that I, I thought was great uh, because they talked about a locksmith, right? And they say, hey, when you, if you've ever locked yourself out of anything like I have, like my car years ago, uh, locksmith comes and uh, he pops the lock in five minutes. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to pay $200 for five minutes of work. That sounds ridiculous. But would I have preferred five hours? Because I had to get home, and it was 10 o'clock at night, right? And I think when we think about those outcomes, I think uh, we start to lead differently. So, Tracy, you mentioned about empathy.
1: And you, as a leader, would want to show it. And some people who I'm not saying people are out there to abuse any kind of uh, leverage given or any leniency. Well, how would you balance? You're a huge organization and you got employees all over, and all of them need that support and empathy from the leaders. But then you also want to fundamentally look at the productivity side because every little thing would matter. And then that's on the employee side. And then talk about the enterprise performance management. How much slack would you cut to the enterprise leaders or different groups who are supposed to report some growth, some improvements all the time? What would you do so that in the next normal you are still a profitable business you are still a growing business but you are still a business which people want to work with and the employees want to work with
3: Yeah I mean it's a it's a it's a it's a dynamic you know you have to manage very closely but I would say we found at Wells Fargo that the move to remote work has been relatively seamless right we have over 200,000 employees working remotely right now And we've always been a performance-driven organization, you know, outcome-based organization, you know, as John to use John's terms. Um, And we've we've seen that move to remote be pretty pretty seamless, right? So the way in which people get to the outcome may be a little different, you know. We're we're all home. Um, We we aren't physically seeing everyone every day, but we're seeing each other on video, staying very connected that way. We haven't seen productivity drop. We haven't seen um, the quality of outcomes drop. So, you know, we're looking at it and saying, you know, we're, we're operating very successfully and that's good. Um, you know, we are, and I, when you, you know, you talk about some of the um, the issues of, you know, how do you manage people like taking advantage of it or things like that? And I think that gets back to, that's a, um, a manager problem, a leader problem. Um, just because we're home doesn't mean you don't have to still stay connected with your team, um, have, you know, shared goals, um you know, objectives that everybody is working toward and holding people accountable. Um, I don't think any of us are saying that, nor is that okay. I mean, we do work at companies. Um, they are for-profit companies. You know, we're here to do a job for our customers and clients, and we take that very seriously. So you can't call it in, but we can be, you know, we can be more sympathetic um, and empathetic in the things that people are dealing with and help them get to their to the uh, end result. Um, we've also done a lot with, um, you know, Kind of calling that out and saying, if there's an issue, if you see that you're there's going to be a struggle, you're not going to be able to meet this this deadline or you know deliver this um, you know deliverable um, on the timeline that we had originally agreed, call that out and that's okay. Like there's no shaming in that, right? But we need to know so we can all respond better and together. And to me, that's just all about kind of being a good manager, managing the work. It doesn't matter if you're remote or in the office, right? You still have to manage your team, your own work. You have to do it. So I occasionally use the quote
1: as healthy doesn't mean lack of disease. And I use this because when, when, of course, you responded very well to my question. Now, another side of it is, could this not be seen as an opportunity? So our metric for employee productivity and the enterprise performance management related metric. Could that not be dated still if we, how about we change this to become a new metric, which could be in next normal, be even delivering better, not just reducing leakage, but to take the company even forward using this as something positive that happened, not for for the pandemic side of it, but the remote workplace dynamic and the people coming together. Could you change these measures so that the company even grows better compared to what it was if there was no pandemic and there was no full remote workforce? How would you have changed it?
2: Yeah, Sanjay, maybe maybe I'll kind of jump in with that. You know, the, the, I'll give you kind of a framework that I that I think about, uh, and then I'll kind of address your question of uh, you know about uh, taking advantage really of, of this sort of time. Uh, as I think about you know any team I, and, and getting outcomes for for a given team, I think about people, process. I think most people appreciate that, but then I look at platform and partners as well, and I, and we could spend a whole other podcast talking about each of those. But let me talk about platform. Uh, One of the things that we've done at Portland General at least is like we've changed uh, chunks of our digital platform to get better velocity uh, and better experiences for customers. So one example is our our website. Uh, And a a website is is really integrated to so many different components of our, our enterprise. And we want our customers to have the ability to manage their own energy journeys, especially since we're really focused on decarbonization. Uh, and, and what would typically have taken a couple of years to develop and design, uh, we did in 200 days. Uh, and, and we totally replatformed uh, our, our digital infrastructure and that's allowed us to go faster. And this is something that we did in the first half of the year, but now we have higher velocity in new products that we can deliver to customers in a way that we couldn't before. And despite the pandemic, Uh, our teams have kind of rallied around that. So I think your point is a good one where you can rally around different things like new platforms to get higher velocity in the work that you're doing.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Tracy, when we come back, how about we start looking at thinking employees' motivation, not just getting the job done, move beyond that motivation to innovate, to to do something beyond the obvious, like they were, at least that focus was on that earlier when everything was going well. And suddenly this pandemic hits and we came to survival and rightfully so for some time. But then still we have to take this back to that mode where we are becoming, getting into our self-actualization mode, if you will, to maximize our potential. What beyond... Us showing empathy or giving them two hundred, like you know, uh, John, you said three hundred dollars, five hundred dollars to support them. What would it take? What organizational support? What cultural shift would it take for us to get them to that innovation uh, mindset? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll
0: be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOtalknetwork.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. So, uh, Tracy, we have had our uh, set of uh, coming back to normal, or at least trying to come there, given all the support to people, empathy, everything, and which is the right thing to do. But then we have to go beyond just getting things done. We have to get into that innovation mode, into self-actualization mode for each party and as for the organization go to the reach its maximum potential. So what specific, let's let's talk specific, what specific organizational support, what specific elements of culture that we should shift, and what specific approaches to leadership should we embrace so we get our people into that warp speed mode?
3: Yeah. Well, I think like it's some of the, some of the same principles that existed even when we were in the office, right? They may just take on a different lens. So people right now more than ever are going to want to feel safe, right? So whether they're in the office or working, you know, remotely or when we're asked to go back in, if we are, you know, who knows, they want to feel safe. They want to feel um, respected. Um, They want to know that their performance is being acknowledged um, and understood, right? So it gets back to performance management, which was there before and still is. Um, And ultimately, I think people want to win. They want to deliver. They want to deliver for customers and clients, for their teams, et cetera. And that's where the innovation comes in. And I don't think any of those things have changed, right? Again, it just gets to the way in which we're doing them. So safety has taken on a whole, a whole new um, meaning, you know, whether it's changes to the workplace, um, you know, as John mentioned at Wells Fargo too, we've had people coming in, working at our banking centers, contact centers this entire time, making sure they feel safe, um, that everyone feels safe, you know, regardless of where they're working, um, the respect, performance management, it's been there. Um, we've been innovating this whole time in, in different new and exciting ways. Right. Um, John gave some examples of where the pandemic has also almost caused, you know, his company to do things um, better, differently, faster. Wells Fargo, we've certainly seen the same thing. I talked a little bit about um, kind of expediting the digital transformation, but I think which is is great. And it's been, um, you know, monumental. But I one of the things I've watched and I think has been very impactful is the way we decision change and review and look at risk, Um with the pandemic overlay, we've had to look at that differently. and make process changes internally um, that are different and I think better and will be something that we carry, continue to carry forward um, in the new normal. So all those things are are good. I think innovation comes out of feeling, you know, safe, respected, and, you know, um, with objectives to achieve, you know, wanting to deliver for your customers and clients. And that's always been there.
1: So, when we talk about a child, right? And John, this is for you. I'm just sharing. I've heard some good quote from some good wise people. They say a child blossoms when he or she feels safe and feel loved. Can we say that it's true for even adults also? So if we make everyone within the organization feel safe and feel loved, they would blossom if that's not enough, what else needs to be put in?
2: Sanjig, I think that's a, that, that's a great quote, right? But I, I think it's a good start. Uh, and as I think about how we develop employees, uh, you know, versus children, I, I think giving employees degrees of freedom, uh, giving employees candid feedback and regular feedback. So not just waiting until the end of the year to surprise somebody with some rating. Uh, you know, at Portland General, we, we do quarterly uh, feedback sessions and, and we do biweekly meetings, one-on-ones with manager and employees, and they're encouraged to give what we call continues and considers, right? So, please continue doing these two things and please consider doing these two things differently. I think that clear is kind, and many of us have read books about, around that, but I think where we can do that, that creates a trust and an environment where people can be honest and innovate in very different ways than if you are more prescriptive about some of the work that you're doing.
1: So Tracy, when you are talking to your leadership, they want to help everyone who's working, they want to see the growth, and perhaps they want it yesterday. How do you guide them or lead them? Or how are you as part of the leadership team making sure that yes, the shareholder value is important, but you will not be able to satisfy them because it's not the same old environment. And and, and how do you resist going after the rush job or getting things done yesterday and focus on doing it at a cadence, at a level where it'll be practical and it will keep you stable without the pressure of the shareholder value?
3: Well, I mean shareholder value is is always important, should be important to all of us. Um, but it's because, you know, it's less value but more the goal of delivering for our customers and clients. But I, I think like aside from the pandemic, it's again, it it's the same principles. We some things need to be done quicker, faster, right? To deliver greater value. The need is is greater. We want it, you know, we want to do it, we need to do it. But you can't do everything all the time you know, right now or yesterday. Right. So, uh, you know, I try and look at everything and be very balanced and say, we need to do, you know, prioritize, do the, you know, the things you have to, the riskier things the, you know, the things that drive the greatest value, um, prioritize those, do those first Um, pick the top three things, not the top 10, right. It's better for us to do three things well than 10 things mediocre. Um, And then also be very balanced and measured um, learn quickly, fail fast. Right. So if something's not going right, we're trying to do it too quick. Sometimes you have to say, just stop. Everyone stop. Let's take a breath. What have we learned? What do we need to do different? Do we need to change our approach? So I, I think the answer to the question is just, um, you know, it needs to be very measured, methodical, you know, prioritize work. It can, you can't have everything right now or yesterday all the time. Um, and and it's not, that's what burns people out. Um, Nobody wants to do that. You know, everybody wants to deliver a quality product, right? Nobody wants to have issues, I don't believe, or if you do, got the wrong people working on your team, right? Um, So, you know, it's just reminding ourselves, and sometimes, you know, I find I put pressure on, and I I see that pressure uh, in the team, and I have to say, hold up, guys, I'm, you know, I I know why you're doing that, or why we're, you know, we're We're taking these measures. I think it's because I made this statement. I can see that it's adding too much pressure or stress. Let's stop. I don't, we don't need to do that right now. Let me take that off your plate. Let's couch that for a week or two, right. Or, you know, come back to that later. So I think it's, again, it gets back to listening, watching as well. You have to have that you know, that good EQ side, you know? So while you you have to be a hard driver, push things to execute and deliver, you also have to see and watch the impact that's having on the team um, and make sure, you know, you haven't gone too far. We're all we're all people, especially right now, we're managing a lot of things. So you, you have to keep a closer eye.
2: And Tracy, maybe I'll add on to your, your comments a little bit. You know, I think Sanjuk is as I think about the, the environment, uh, you know, We operate in a competitive environment as well, and so there is a balance to be struck between you know, sort of you know, driving shareholder value and also being able to compete because our customers want what they want, when they want it, how they want it, right? And so if a competitor can come in and do that for them, then that's what they're going to go after. So I, I think it's a tough balance to kind of strike. And I talked earlier about the importance of perspective and leaders kind of sharing perspective. Uh, and, and at least in Portland in general, what we think about is progress over perfection, right? We think about pragmatism over dogmatism. And we work in a company that is highly engineered focused. Uh, and there are some things where you have to be perfect, right? When you're delivering electricity, it's a dangerous product. Uh, but when we talk about customer experiences, where we can make it better, uh, if it's just a little bit better, I'll take that over it being perfect, right? I'll take better tomorrow. Then perfect a year from now. and I think those are some of the different lenses that, that leaders could and should be looking through, in my opinion.
1: Now, when, when you have done things where the management is rushing you and you cannot rush your people, right, Tracy, like you mentioned, you just told them, okay, couch that, we'll, we'll stop. But then pressure would not stop from your management. Is that, you know, that's well. That's where you have to be a Hercules? Is that how you have to train yourself now? Because the pressure is mounting on them as well.
3: No, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, sometimes you have to help your team, you know, kind of be the Hercules to help and support them. But sometimes you also have to be the strong leader that pushes back on your leadership and says, enough's enough. Like, it's not going to happen. Just because we want it to happen doesn't mean it will, right? And we have to be strong and, you know, have the courage to say that. And, you know, I, I do that regularly to John's point, like just pushing, you know, and saying you want it and demanding things doesn't mean it's going to go in um, and deliver what you expected with a high degree of quality. And you have to look at, at what cost. So it doesn't mean you, you have to push hard all the time, but it doesn't mean you, we blindly go in and, you know, we just, you know, we drop code into production when it's not ready, just because someone said we had to deliver on a date. That's not a good idea It's not something I would ever, um, you know, I would ever tell my leadership team to do. I would never, um, you know, say that's an acceptable approach or solution. And if somebody's pushing them on that or I'm being pushed on that, then that needs to be stopped and challenged. That's our job.
2: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with with Tracy's comment there. You know, at at some point, you, you have to have that roadmap and plan, right? And so if somebody says, hey, you know, be a Hercules and make this happen, uh, you can't, to Tracy's point, you can't just will stuff to happen. You got to have a plan behind it. Uh, and I think that's where articulating that plan becomes part of an explanation to senior leaders of, well, here's why we can't do it on this time timeframe, uh, but uh, here's a path to get something in. So I, I like to call that the yes and versus the here's all the reasons why we can't. So yes, we can do that. And here's what we need to get that done.
1: So, John, if you had an opportunity to design the next normal leaders management training or development program curriculum, what would you add to it?
2: Oh, boy, there's a lot of great leadership development um, attributes, I think, that are already out there. I'll, I'll give you just a few of the top ones for me. Uh, one, you got to be competitive. I, I think uh, having a competitive spirit uh, means that you're going you're gonna to be resourceful. It means that you're gonna be resilient. Uh, so I think that competitiveness is, is right up there. Two is I would say that self-awareness and situational awareness. You gotta understand uh, what you're capable of, what you're not capable of. You gotta understand your, your team and the environment around you, right? Uh, and I think you gotta have edge. And what I mean by that is you gotta have courage. You gotta have the willingness and the grit to have tough conversations when they need to be had And I think that goes a long way in building trust. So those are three things that I think are top of mind for me as I think about what this next normal leadership is going to look like.
1: And do you think these things are not already added to all the leaders who are going through trainings today and or would go tomorrow? Is there anything incremental would would you have added there?
2: You know, I I think a lot of this is already incorporated in a lot of leadership development that's out there today. I think it should be prioritized more. In an environment where the speed of change is higher than anything I think we've seen in our lifetimes, I think those attributes that I talked about uh, are of even higher importance than they've been in the past, in my opinion.
3: Tracy, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, my comment would be, you know, we're using the word training, like it's a class that you take and all of a sudden you're good at all these things. And that's
1: so it's like more management. Yeah. That's what I meant right. to say. Yeah, say. Like you you take
3: training and you you learn about some of these principles. And I think John gave a great list and you, it makes you more aware of those and it may help you identify um, gaps or areas that you need to you know grow or enhance. Um, I think the and I, I think the list is great, but I think the one thing that um, is most important for leaders is learning. Like, the ability to when they're, things don't go the way they had planned or there's failures or even successes, that you sit back and you say, you know, why was that a failure or why did that succeed? and what am I going to learn from this?" Um, and that's a really hard thing to do, especially in failure because you you know go through a lot of stages of, you know you might be angry or you know you may say, um, you know, it was only this other group had done this or this person had done that, right? But you have to kind of set these things aside and say, you know, really do self-reflection and take those learnings and do something with them. Make sure that you don't allow the same things to happen again, or you capitalize on the, the lessons learned that, you know, proved to be very effective and very valuable. So, the only thing I would add to John's list would be the ability and willingness to learn, learn and grow.
1: So, Tracy, if I were to ask you, given, of course, you're a very accomplished leader leading such a large organization if there was that one thing that you would fix in you to make you even a stronger leader, more relevant leader for the next normal, what would that be?
3: One thing I, I always worry about is I try to be very um, approachable with my team. Um, My, you know, my leaders, my direct reports. And sometimes I worry that it doesn't, that I, that I allow them to be, you know, we have very open, candid relationships, almost um, there's an informality to it. And depending on the next level or the next leader, they may have to support or work with. I often worry that I'm not, um, that I'm allowing, I'm not preparing them as well as I could. Right. So I think it's this, um, I love, like, I'm a true extrovert. I really get energized from interactions with people, learning and interacting with them. So that's something I I really, you know, enjoy and need, um, and I like that across my leadership team, but I think sometimes that doesn't prepare them as well as it can, or I can't, I should for the next level because I'm not, you know, maybe being as tough sometimes as I need to, right, because we've got this informal kind of um, relationship. So, it's good in a way, and it's bad in another, and it's something that I, I really try and, I try and watch out for. I try and have a nice balance. You so can for.
1: continue to be nice. There's yeah, nothing rough.
3: No, nice is okay. Um, kind and respectful and professional are never um, things that you should substitute. It's not that it's, um, it's just not everyone's like that. All right. Not every leader is like that. And they have to, I have to prepare them to work with all different types of leaders. Um, and so, you know, you have to prepare them for that. Um, so I, I just worry sometimes I'm not, uh, I don't know. Is tougher. <laughs> no, that's hey, you know, that's that's, edges, that's you being vulnerable, be,
1: yes, which is awesome, right? This yes. is awesome. So yeah, John, what about you? We'll just close with that. Yeah. Oh, what, Sandra, what's one thing
2: that you're gonna fix? <laughs> one thing that I'm working on, and, and I'm a work in progress, like 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 many leaders are. Uh, but for me, Sundar, I think it's it's my patience, uh, and and you know, there's things that that I, I like to get done quickly, and this comes as part of sort of my competitive nature. Uh, and as part of me, just wanting to deliver value for our customers uh, better than anybody else out there. Uh, And so I'm working on my patience right now.
1: All right. Great. Thank you so much, John. And Tracy, again, it was wonderful getting your comments and your vulnerability. I just love that. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Absolutely, and listeners, hope you enjoyed it. I grew a few inches taller today, getting all the advice from both John and Tracy, and hope you got some nuggets as well. So please connect us on uh, the different social media, subscribe to our podcast wherever you find podcasts, and once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your hosts and All till next week. Take care and God
0: bless.